This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Can we just give God a round of applause this morning? Let's do so. Wow. Uh, we've had... We've had Three, we're going to have three messages today. We had a powerful sermon from, from Naomi on, on video, and she, she's rocking the merch today, just saying, if you haven't gotten your merch, make sure you get out there and get something. And then Julie came up here, and she preached her own message, and it's like, I just need to say, in Jesus' name, amen, and let's go home, right? Uh, but God's given me a message today, and I feel like I need to bring it today, and I need to hopefully inspire you and encourage your hearts. Isn't that what the Word of God does? Sometimes God's Word comes in, and it spanks us. Sometimes God's Word comes in, and encourages us. Some God's, sometimes God's Word just uh, gives us a foundation and a grounding. And today, as we come, how many love the Word of God? God, today, we thank you for your Word. Would you just thank Him? God, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that it's true. God, that we can rely on it, that we can trust it. We, God, I thank you today that your word is alive. Yes. That it's not just written words in a book, but it is alive and it's breathing and it's moving. And God, today under the power of the Holy Spirit, it's going to change our lives. It's going to change my life. It's going to change those lives that are listening to it. Because God, your word is promised that it, what it sets out to do, it will accomplish. That it does not return void in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're January 23rd, and we are, today's the last day of the fast. We're, some, are, some are breaking today, some have broke today. I uh, didn't necessarily plan on breaking today, but someone brought me uh, breakfast. Sasser brought me eggs, his famous scrambled eggs this morning when I was sitting here studying. I was like going, dear Jesus, I have to eat these. And um, I ate them in a holy moment. And so, uh, right, right, and uh, so we're glad. Today, we, we've been in a series called 1232. Everyone say 1232. Uh, we've been dialoguing this concept, this idea, because it really is where we find our, 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 our identity as a church and this idea of understanding and knowing the times. Uh, we got our idea from re- being relevant. Everyone say relevant. You know, uh, the caution and the tension that all of us experience and all of us face is can we be relevant to a culture that is, is constantly moving and sliding and, and doing whatever that it's doing? And I think the challenge that we all face is this, or the tension that we face is we don't want to compromise. We don't want to have the slow erosion of our faith or slow erosion of our standards. We don't want to allow the Word of God to become compromised. And as you know, and as we hope, and as we endeavor throughout the years, if you've been here any length of time, we adhere to the Word of God. We endeavor with all of our being to preach the strong, firm Word of God. Amen? The Word, the word of God that, that spanks us, the Word of God that delivers us, the Word of God that gives grace, the Word of God that gives mercy, the Word of God that convicts. Amen? And today, as we are here, we're talking about this idea of relevance. And uh, the definitions we've used is closely connected or appropriate to what is being done, appropriate to the current time or period. Uh, If you've been alive any length of time, I've been in ministry for 35 years, and I can tell you that ministry has changed from 1986 till 2022, right? I mean, culture has changed, society has changed, ministry has changed, and we've had to, we realize that the Word of God never adjusts and never changes. It's still truth, but our method, our, how we approach and our sensitivity to what's going on around us is even that much more needed today in a culture that is so very dark. Putting it simply, this is our, what we kind of came up with, is being relevant is recognizing the differences of the time and being able to respond to those differences. And I added a word this week, being able to respond to those differences in a biblical and a practical, applicable way. Everyone say biblical. Today when we come, you know, I'm never an advocate of doing anything anti, anti-God or anti-biblical, but I just felt really strongly this morning in preparation of this message, I needed to clarify, I needed to add the biblical, practical, applicable way. Because I can tell you this, that the Word of God is applicable and practical to every need that you and I have today. Amen? Do you believe that? That the Word of God, regardless of whether it be it's 2,000 years old and some older, the Word of God is still relevant to you and I today. It's still truth for us today. Uh, The truth that you and I embrace, the truth that we embrace as a church, is that God is relevant to all people He's relevant to all generations He's, uh, and circumstances, and God's Word is relevant to every crisis question and social issue. 
And that's why we can come and we can stand and say, we are Relevant Life Church because we can present the relevant gospel, the relevant word, the relevant truth that hopefully will change lives because I can't change their life. How many have discovered that in your situations and circumstances, in your family, whether it's on your job, that you have no power to adjust someone's circumstance and situation? You have no power. But can I tell you this? The God in you does. The Holy Spirit inside of you does. The Word of God that you read, hopefully on a regular basis, the Word of God that you've hid in your heart that you might not sin against Him is that Word that's going to be alive in you and it's going to impact people's lives. Last week we talked about being hurried or helpful. Today, my sermon name is Barriers or Bridges. Barriers or Bridges. Do you build barriers or do you build bridges? Do you build barriers with your life or do you build bridges with your life? Do you build barriers in your relationships or do you build bridges with your relationships? Today we want to dialogue this and look at it through God's word. God, I pray in the name of Jesus today. Would you come and would you give us your anointing? Would you give us your your power. God, would you speak through us today? God, I know that your word is anointed and God, all we would have to do is read your word, but God, you've also chosen this foolish thing called preaching to save them that would believe. And so God, today I pray, would you come and would you be glorified in the words that I speak today? God, would you make hearts hear those words and God, would you cause us to respond and that our lives would be changed in Jesus' name, amen. Barriers or bridges? You know, I have a couple pictures up here. Our first picture is a barrier uh, that we're going to look at. And this is actually between Israel and the West Bank. It's what a barrier, right? You know, the purpose of a barrier, the purpose of a wall or a purpose of a door, the purpose of a gate, a barrier is a structure such as a wall gate fence that prevents access. That prevents access. Ultimately, it's to keep people out. It's to bring separation uh, any, anybody uh, like the separation between your house and someone else's house? And so therefore you have a fence, right? You like that separation? Uh, there's this thing called the, the barriers that we put up. Barriers, uh, natural barriers, as well as I would say spiritual relational barriers. And that's what we want to talk about. It also is this next picture that I have is a bridge. I don't know the name of this bridge, but isn't that an amazing bridge? I love the idea. I love this mental picture of a bridge that's bridging, that's, that's, that's going from one, one edge to another edge. It's, it's fixing the chasm that's in between. Today, we can go to a very spiritual place and we can understand that what bridges us to heaven is Jesus. What's caused this chasm of sin to be is Jesus. He's laid down his life for you and for me. But the purpose of a bridge it's a, it's a bridge is a stru- structure built to span a physical obstacle. Uh, it, brings uni- it brings unity. It creates equal access. So when we think about a barrier or a bridge, a barrier brings separation. A barrier is this thing that brings division. It's, it says, I'm different than you. A bridge comes and says, hey, come into my life. A bridge says, no, we have equal access to. It brings a unity and it brings a, 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 a gathering place. And I ask you today, are you building a bridge? Are you, uh, are you building a barrier? And if you'd go to the next slide for me right there, uh, the kind of our lives. Are you building a bridge? Are you being this, this bridge from one chasm to the next chasm? Are you being this bridge with your life from Jesus to the world? Are you being a bridge with how you respond and how you behave and how you think and how you talk? Can I ask you this? This is a really temperamental question today, but are you building a bridge with your social media posts? Are you building a barrier with your social media posts? Can I tell you that there's a lot of barriers that have been put up day after day after day on social media because we're making statements and atomacies that people are going that, that, that just is blocking me from Jesus. And I want to caution you today as we talk about and dialogue this topic. A recent blog from Louis Giglio says this. Since the fall of Adam and Eve, sin in the hearts of mankind has always been divided in the world. And today is no different. Mankind disregards the majority of common values and ideas that we share, has, share and has identified and leveraged. Everyone say leveraged. Leverage the differences between men to create polarizing division. Think about it. Think in your own life of where 
where, where differences have been leveraged against somebody else. Common throughout history, we continue to identify and divide ourselves by gender, race, religion, nationality, wealth, and class, political party, and I'd say currently being vaccinated or not vaccinated, wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. However, our success on earth and as individuals, families, peoples, nations, and even as a species is dependent on being united. Think about it. When we talk about the United States of America, What brought us together however many years ago was the fact that we were united. There was a tact or there was a there was a place that we stepped in and said, no, we agree on these things. As individuals, we will never be united on every idea. We'll never be united on every issue or every topic. But we find peace and make progress as we find unity and build consensus on major topics of truth and extend grace on the minor issues that divide us. The age-old statement, united we stand and divided we will fall. United we stand and divided we will fall. Today, when we think about this idea of a bridge or a barrier, I ask you, as you begin to look at your life, are you walking in unity with those that are around you? Are you walking in division with those that are around you? Have you allowed the circumstances of our culture and the belief systems of our culture, whether we like them or not, or whether we agree with them or not, have we made them differences between what we represent God as to a world that he says, no, I want everybody? Can I tell you, your political issues, your belief systems, we need to step back and go, God, is this your idea or is this my idea? God, is this a barrier or is this a bridge? Jesus came into this world with a radical message of truth to unify all peoples. How many believe that today? You're getting quiet on me today. I can already sense the tension in the room. Tension's good. This common truth for all mankind is the catalyst giving us common ground and common purpose to overcome any difference that has divided us. And his name is Jesus. Jesus is the one that brings unity. Jesus was the equal offender And did not withhold truth from any audience. Think about it. Jesus didn't come with a political party to go, I'm going to offend the Democrats or I'm going to offend the Republicans. He didn't come to go, I'm going to offend those that got vaccinated or I'm going to offend those that didn't get vaccinated. I'm going to offend those that wear a mask and those that don't wear a mask. Can I tell you that Jesus was an equal opportunity offender? He came in and said, this is the way it is, whether you like it or whether you don't, this is the way it is. He tore down walls of sin and divide, that divided mankind and man, mankind, that divided mankind from mankind and mankind from God. I would say today that Jesus was the greatest bridge builder that ever walked the face of the earth. When I think of a bridge builder, Jesus broke down social barriers and built bridges. We can see throughout Scripture that He provided salvation for all people. We can see throughout Scripture that he created equality for gender. And I want to be very specific this morning. Gender, men and women. In our culture, when I say gender, it goes to a big, far-reaching thing. And I want to declare today that I'm talking male and female, what God created in Genesis. Not to create a barrier, but I'm bringing a truth. Jesus broke down these walls. He brought equality of race and ethnicity. Jesus brought recognition of politics and honoring of leaders. Jesus brought forgiveness and redemption from sin. Jesus bridged this aspect of the equality of the rich, the poor, and the sick. And he says, it doesn't matter what you look like, what you sound like, who you are, you're welcome to come. Jesus is the greatest bridge builder that ever walked the face of the earth. But you know what? He comes and he makes a very polarizing statement in John. A statement that today you and I might feel the tension, that people listening to this message may feel the tension, and I want to make it really clear before we step into the story that we're going to look at. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said this, even though I am a bridge to all, he says, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. And he makes this statement, he says, there is no other access to heaven. That he is this bridge, and he is the only bridge. So Jesus doesn't come and recognize other bridges. He comes and says, I am the only bridge. 
I am the only way to get there. And as Julie even said this aspect this morning, if you are here today and you don't know Jesus, or you're listening and you don't know Jesus, Jesus is the only way. It doesn't matter what other religions there are out there. It doesn't matter what our culture might declare. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is the life. When we think of this aspect of a bridge or a barrier, let me give you a couple ideas that might cause us to see some clarity in our own lives. Number one, being a bridge is seeking to understand. Being a barrier is arguing your point. Anybody been guilty? Being a bridge is kindness. Being a barrier is sarcasm. Anybody been guilty? Being a bridge is forgiving. Being a barrier is hating. And again, let me ask, anybody been guilty? Being a bridge is forgiving. Oh, excuse me. Being a bridge is grace. Being a barrier is judgment. Wow, I think we need to hear that one again. Being a bridge is grace. Being a barrier is judgment. A bridge is inviting and a barrier is excluding. A bridge is learning and a barrier is labeling. We see all these statements today and we have to step back into our own lives to go, am I a bridge or am I, am I a barrier? With my behavior, am I... Am I creating barriers by how I'm responding or am I creating a bridge by how I'm responding? Today, I want to look at a story in the book of Acts where we see obvious barriers that are keeping an individual from encountering God. Uh, Dr. Luke, the, Luke is the author of Acts. Uh, for us, a little bit of background about Luke. Luke was a ministry partner of Paul, and he traveled with him. Luke was a Gentile, and I want to tell you today that Luke is the only Gentile in Scripture that actually wrote Scripture. And when you look at Luke's writings, you're going to see that he's writing from a Gentile perspective, but he's also writing to a Gentile audience, to those that were not brought up in the Jewish culture. So you're going to see evidence of things that he's trying to explain on a deeper level for people that don't understand it to grasp it. He is the author of the Gospel of Luke. He's also the author of Acts. And what I discovered this week uh, that I'm fascinated with is that 27.5% of the New Testament was written by, by Luke. Luke is actually the, the top author in the New Testament. I always, you know, we have always said that Paul was. Paul wrote more books. Luke wrote more words. So we come back and we realize this, that oftentimes Luke is a little bit overlooked and Luke was not doing it for fame. He was doing it to communicate the gospel. And this book of Acts that's so very vital to us is a bridge that, that spans from the gospels into the churches. It gives us an understanding of history. It shows us the birth of the church and it shows us the first 30 years of the early church. So it's important for us. How many know that the book of Acts is important and we need to understand what's there? So I want to look, if you would turn with me in your Bibles or follow along on the screen, Acts chapter 3. Pull out your phones today. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But what I have, I give unto you. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went on with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man, same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? It is the God of Abraham, 
of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his, uh, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over uh, to be killed, and you di- disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this by faith in the name of Jesus. This man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name. Everyone say Jesus' name. It is Jesus' name and faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. We see the story that Peter and John are on the way to the temple. They're on their way to pray. They're on their way to do their religious duty. Anybody get on your way to do the religious things in life? You're caught up with those things. You're, in, you're busy doing the right things. The story as we read it uh, and look at this morning is uh, going into, is taking place in a location that is representative of God's presence, which is a bridge to God's presence, but also representative to a barrier to God. When we think about the temple today, if you want to throw that picture up there, uh, this is a simple drawing, but if you look over on this side of the screen, you're going to see Solomon's porch or Solomon's colonnade, as it said, and you're going to see the beautiful gate. This place is taking place inside this massive area. They said it was 35, yard, 35 uh, acres that this property consumed. So the temple itself was small, smaller, it's in the middle of, but this entire area 35 acres, we're talking a lot of property, a lot of land that is walled in. Uh, this, this, it was walled in for, very, for, for certain purposes, and the courts of the temple were accessible to uh, many di- uh, differing, differing levels based upon their ethnicity or based upon their, their, uh, their, uh, whether they're male or whether they're female. So it, it, on your belief systems... You know, back in the day, it even says, historically, Josephus writes about it, that it was a place that was a tourist location. So the outer courts, before you got in, it says the courts of the Gentiles and all that stuff, where Gate Beautiful was, is they would allow people to come in and you would see these aspects of, of buying souvenirs or whatever you would find there. And it was a place of where people would come in, they would get, the temple would gain money the, for, for just selling items. So it was a, a place of popularity. But we see that this man was set at the gate beautiful. Josephus goes on to talk about this gate beautiful. He says it was 75 feet high. Can I tell you that's equivalent to a six or seven story building? That's, that's a lot. Each story is 10 feet, and it was 60 feet wide. So we're talking, uh, I'm not sure how wide this is, but. 60 feet wide that we're talking about. So a massive structure. This, this structure, this gate was covered in bronze, in silver, and in gold. It was gorgeous. It was called the gate beautiful for a reason. But even though it was a bridge to the presence of God, it was also a barrier to those that were not of the right ethnicity, to those that were not of the right sex, to those that were lame and broken. The gate beautiful was this barrier which meant that therefore this man could not encounter God's presence. This man could not step into understanding and knowing God in a way that God wanted to be understood and known. What I find so fascinating is that we can look at the gospel and God says the gospel is a bridge to every man, to every, every woman. But how many at times... Do we make it a barrier to people? And my challenge us today is that God would open our eyes to help us to see, are we building a bridge or are we building a barrier? Number one today, when we talk about this story, living a relevant life means building a bridge for others out of their mundane living. Building a bridge out of someone else's mundane living. We can step back and we can look at people's lives. We can even look at our lives. And sometimes I can tell you in the middle of COVID, my life seems a little bit mundane. Anybody else can identify with the idea of a little bit of uh, mundane living? When we talk about mundane, we can see in Acts chapter 3, it says, one day Peter and John were going, uh, verses 1 and 2, going to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. It says, now a lame man who was lame from birth, Acts chapter 4 declares that this man was over 40 years old, so lame from birth, someone who has been cared for for 40 plus years, 
was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he, put, uh, where, where he was put every day to beg. I step back and I go, is that a little bit of a mundane life? Is that a little bit of a life that can I get out of the monotony of what I'm doing? As a lame man, he was unable to work. He was a beggar, and that represented one of the lowest have-nots in society. Silver and gold were the most obvious need. He didn't ask for anything more. As they would come in, he would say, alms, he'd beg, he would shake his cup, whatever it was, and people would sometimes come and say no, and sometimes people would give him money. People evidently responded only to the most obvious of need, and so therefore, he'd been there for 40 plus years, he was actually making a living, so he was caught in this mundaneness of life, and people were just ministering to the obvious need. 40 years, he had still stayed the same. He'd received silver and gold, and all this time, he was still left helpless and hopeless as a cripple. Think about it. Think about his life that was a mundane life. From birth, this man was lame, and he learned to live in a, this marginal area of society where he was willing to be looked down on as a lesser person. He was willing to be judged. He was willing to be criticized. He was willing to be put up with and tolerated just for a livelihood. But this man was trapped in his mundane life. This word mundane is lacking interest or excitement, living a dull and a monotonous life. Can I tell you today that we as Christians, I'm not talking about us today in, in response of this being the lame man. Maybe you are here and you're the lame man and you need to let God come and heal the lameness in your life. But we as Christians should not be entertaining a mundane life. With Jesus Christ in our life, our life should not be monotony. Our life should be excitement. Our life should be passionate. Our life should be filled with meaning. Our life should not just be going from existence to existence to existence. Can I tell you this? If your life is in the middle of a mundane pattern of life, you have nothing to offer to those that are out there. That's our response that we need to come and go, God, all my life is in you. You're my hope. You're my life. We just sang about it. Church, can I tell you today that we as Christians should be the most excited, most vivacious people on the planet. The details that Luke gives us include this, uh, included by the beggar are not an accident. According to the practice of the times, the lame's physical impairment made him an outsider to the temple community. He was excluded from the temple and all that it symbolized to Israel. He may have been a Jew, it doesn't say. He may have been a Gentile, it doesn't say. We can assume that he was a Jew for this very fact, that after he was healed, he went into the temple. If he was a Gentile, he would not have been able to get into the temple. Today, when we come and we think about our mundaneness of life, this man was an outsider. This man was barred from walking into the temple because he could not come and discredit or devalue the temple. He couldn't violate it by his impurities because sickness and disease and lameness was looked down upon that somehow, some way in your life, you sinned against God. This gate was a barrier to, the, to this man's very deepest of needs. Today, we can come and we can think about this man and what he desired. But can I tell you that this man himself underestimated his need? He's coming and going, hey, I, 40 years, I'm used to being lame. 40 years, I'm used to being carried. 40 years, I have not walked a day in my life. I'm used to this. It's monotonous. All I need is someone to give me some money. All I need is someone to drop some coins my way. He didn't have a clear perception of his own need. And can I tell you that oftentimes you and I don't have a clear perception of our own need? You and I think that it could just be this, that if God would just do, and God's going, no, you don't understand your own need. And many times we come back in our society and they don't perceive the need and we don't perceive the need correctly. Oftentimes it's this, what they think they need is not what they really need. Have you discovered that? What they think they need is not what they really need. Can I even tell you today what you think you need is not what you really need? You don't need someone else to come up and hug you and tell you even though that's important. You've got the acceptance and approval of Jesus Christ himself. So often we come and we think our need is and we seek out our need because we have a perceived need and God's going, no, all you need is me. All you need is me. All my hope, all my life is in you. 
This man thinks he needs silver and gold. I need some food. I need a place to sleep. But you know what's so amazing to me is Peter and John come and they don't just see the need. They can imagine the impossibilities that God can do in this life. They realize that God brought, him, brought them out of their mundane living. That God brought them out of their pattern that was just monotonous. Going to the bar on Friday and getting drunk until Monday and going back to work or whatever it is that people do in our culture today. The mundane life that they're thinking, I'm living life. In reality, it's monotonous. Point number two, living a relevant life means building a bridge through meaningful interaction. So we think about this mundane living. Peter and John are thinking about this of the impossible. Peter and John are imagining what God can do and going, how do we have a meaningful interaction with this man? This word meaningful is having meaning and purpose, adding value to. Everyone say adding value to. Can I tell you today as a believer in Christ, a follower of Christ Jesus, you should be adding value to our culture, not taking away from Every person you come in contact with, you should be adding value to, not taking away from. So many of us are walking through our lives today in our monotonous, mundane way. That we're looking to our world to affirm us. We're looking to our world to do something for us. And Jesus says, I've done it all. I want you to go add. I want you to be the salt. I want you to be the light. I want you to be the hope. And what does that tell of us? For our lives to be meaningful. For your life to be meaningful, you yourself have to have God come into your life and bring meaning. You yourself have to allow God to come in and add value to you so that you can add value to someone else. Today we sit, today we look in our culture and we think the need is the issue that you and I are experiencing in our lives. Some of us would identify our need as money, a job, a raise. Some of us that identify our need as relational, a marriage problem, a family problem, a coworker problem. Some of us identify our need as time, that we're just too busy with all of our schedules. Can I tell you that, yes, all those needs are relevant. Yes, all those needs are important. But Jesus came to preach the good news. Jesus came to preach the good news, but also to heal and restore the lame and blind and set everyone free. Jesus came for the spiritual needs, but not just the spiritual needs. He came for the physical needs. He came for the emotional needs. He came for the social needs. He came for the economic needs. We can see it in story after story after story. Jesus came in and go, I am going to add value to those people I come in contact with. Peter and John, they come with a purpose. They didn't see this man as an interruption. They didn't see this man as a waste of time. They didn't see this man as an obstacle or a, a nuisance. They saw that Jesus lived a life of mission and purpose and meaning, and they thought, we've walked with him. Let's try this. Let's try this. Acts chapter 3, we see Peter and John, and they come and they look. It says in verses 3, it says, look straight. They, Peter looked straight at him. As did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave, him, gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. His need. Would you just give me some money? And Peter and John are going, no, we want to look into your life. We want to see your life. What is it that you need? We see the obvious need of money, but what really is the need? What's the overarching need that is here? Peter and John takes time to stop, to interrupt their lives, to look at him and to actually see who he is to the depth of his being. And I want to ask you today, how many like it when someone sees you for who you really are? Can I tell you that many times we are so busy in life that we were hurried last week, but also in our hurry, we build these barriers by how we respond to people without even pausing to look into their life to go, you are a real person and to add value and meaning to them. Acts 3 verses 6 and 7 Peter says, silver and gold I don't have. That's what you're assuming and that's what you think you need, but I don't have silver and gold. But what I have, what I have I'm going to give you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, everyone say in the name of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you the most important thing that we can come and offer people is the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, to meet their needs if we can meet their needs, but the most important thing overarching is the name of Jesus Christ. 
not in blasphemy, not in cussing and not in swearing, but in life and meaning and adding value to. Peter reaches down and takes him by the right hand and he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. I think where we fall susceptible in our culture that's such an affluent culture is that we think if I just throw money at it, we can solve problems. Isn't that what we do with our own lives? If I just throw some money towards it, if I just throw something towards it, it's going to fix it. When reality, God's going, no, I just need you to get in my presence. I just need you to get in my presence. I need you to let me fix your need. We try to solve the world, solve the problems of our world today with worldly answers. And I can tell you today that worldly answers aren't going to fix what the world's problems are. They're just going to compound them. They might put a band-aid on it. They might feel good. The only way that some of you and I are what we're going to bring meaning to and adding value to is getting on your face and getting on your knees and saying, Jesus Christ, we need your help. Jesus, we need you to intervene. We need you to bring meaning. Peter gives him what he had, not what the lame man expected. The lame man thought his need was silver and gold, and Peter knew that he needed God himself. Can I tell you that there's a lot of lame around us, a lot of people around us, and they think that if we could just give them what they want, they think that's the answer. How many have discovered in your own life that oftentimes what we want is not the answer? How many, of just, how many in this room have ever prayed particular prayers that you thank God that he never answered those prayers? Because we prayed selfish prayers thinking we know the answer. God, if you would just fix it this way, this way, this way. And God's going, you don't understand. You answer that. If I answer that prayer, it's going to do this and this and this and this. That's why we come and we understood last week that God's ways are not our ways and our ways are not God's ways. And that's why we have to come, say, God, I submit and surrender myself to your sovereignty. The God who understands, the God who brings meaning, the God who adds value. And even though this lame man did not understand what he needed, thank God Peter and John knew what he needed. Can I tell you today, isn't it amazing when you have someone that adds value to your life? And they understand bigger than, what God, bigger than what you understand. They know what you need more than you know what you need. Verse 8, it says, he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. I love this fact that Peter helps him up. Peter takes his right hand and lifts him to his feet and his, his ankles stiffen. And he began to praise, not Peter and John. He recognized there was something greater. He recognized there was something more valuable. Today, if you're going out to give alms to somebody or give help to somebody, are you waiting for the pat on the back or are you waiting for the glory to go to God? Are you doing it with the right heart and the right motive to go, I want to bring, I want to bring, uh, I want to add value to our culture. Today, you and I are so desperate for affirmation because we're not going to God for the affirmation. We're not going to God to go, God, who am I in you? We've forgotten that we're children of God. We've forgotten that we're the bride of Christ. We've forgotten that, there is, that we lack nothing in him. Peter and John looked upon this man with compassion. They had learned from Jesus when he saw the crowds that they were harassed and they were helpless and he was moved with compassion. Can I tell you that Peter and John are walking in a way uh, because they were influenced by the life of Jesus. Are you being influenced by the life of Jesus? Are you in his presence enough that he's influencing you to add value to a culture that so desperately needs added value to? Meaningful interaction is not going and reading a scripture to someone that doesn't comprehend Jesus. Meaningful interaction is not taking your Bible and trying to preach someone into heaven when they have no comprehension of their sin. Meaningful interaction is not giving them the five-step process of salvation when they have no understanding of who God is himself. <laughs> Meaningful interaction is not getting on your hands and knees and just laying hands on them and praying for them and freaking them out when they don't even know if they believe that there's a God. What are you saying, Pastor Kevin? 
Meaningful interaction is being sensitive, again, once again, to understanding what needs to be accomplished. Being sensitive to the power of the Holy Spirit that he would speak into you, not just trying to come and give a blanket statement of what needs to take place. The men and these, Peter and John, they had been with Jesus. They were influenced by Jesus. We can see in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it says, and when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled ordinary men, and they were astonished, and they took note, what? That they had been with Jesus. That they had been with Jesus. Can I tell you today, if you want to come and build a bridge to our culture, get with Jesus. Get with Jesus. You want to build, build, be relevant? I'm not saying be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good, but get into the closet with Jesus. That Jesus is filling you up so that you have something to give. Last point this morning, living a relevant life means building a bridge so that many more can be impacted. So that many more can be impacted. Can I tell you this? One leads to more. Everyone say one leads to more. One leads to more. People heard what had happened and came to hear. You know, I love this man's unrestrained excitement. 40 years old. Can you imagine 40 years of never walking? 40 years of never being able to dance? 40 years of never being able to hop? 40 years of never being able to skip and to jump? And immediately he's healed. And with unrestrained behavior, he begins to hop and skip and jump throughout the temple. Hoot and holler about praising God. Can I tell you that I'm sure people in the temple, some were going, would you shut up? I'm trying to pray. Don't interrupt my holy moment with God. But it says, in verse 9, it says, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him. They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and they were filled with amazement at what had happened to him. And while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, what an opportunity to preach. What an opportunity to bring meaning to their life. What an opportunity to bring some explanation of what they are doing in this temple as they begin to do their religious behaviors. He said, fellow Israelites, why does this so surprise you? Why do you stare at us as by our own power of godliness that we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You know that Jesus that you disowned, the holy and the righteous one, and you asked that a murder be released to you, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as all of you can see. The layman knew what had happened. The layman knew his encounter. The layman meaning had taken place. It wasn't just a physical healing. You know, when God does something, God doesn't do anything halfway. God did a mental, emotional, physical restoration. His self-perception, he stepped into a place of freedom. And we can see that in Acts chapter 4, verse 4, as a result of this sermon, as a result of them taking time to bring meaning to a lame man that was sat there for 40 years. And who knows, who knows if Jesus himself walked by this lame man time after time on his way to the temple. But God says, for such a time as this, For such a time as this, for such a moment as this, because there's going to be a crowd that's receptive, this is when it's going to take place. And 2,000 people came to salvation as a result. As I close, if I were to sum this all up, my challenge to you would be this. Share what you have in the name of Jesus. Share what you have in the name of Jesus. Can I tell you, as I look at humanity, a heart of compassion, a heart of care, can I tell you how many times I can get consumed with what Kevin can do rather than just giving them what I have in the name of Jesus? How many today feel insufficient to the needs of our culture. Come on, be honest. 
How many here feel insufficient to the needs of your family at times? You're challenged by circumstances and you can't, don't have an answer. How many here today are, feel insignificant on the job because you don't have the answers of all the people that need answers? What I love about Peter and John is they knew who they had. Jesus brought them out of the mundane into meaningful life. Jesus gave them meaningful interaction, and as a result, they saw the multitudes that came to Jesus. Jesus was this bridge, just like he's saying, I want you to be the bridge, just like Peter and John were the bridge. Paul writes us a passage of Scripture that I think is so fitting today in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Therefore, as we have opportunity. Can I tell you, this word opportunity is a significant moment in time. And I want to propose to you today that if you're alive in 2022, and whether you're young or you're old, God has placed you, as we heard in sermons in the past, God has placed you here for such a time as this. God chose you to be alive on this planet, in this generation, in the midst of this culture. And that's that significant moment of opportunity. That your life is not an opportunity of mundaneness and monotony. Your life is a life of opportunity. And I don't want to make sure you understand that it's not just your prime years of life when you are out of college and into your career that God's talking about. He's saying, no, from day one to day zero, to day whatever, when you die, when you face Jesus, your significance still exists. The reason you are still on this planet is to seize the opportunity and to do good to all people. Everyone say all people. All people is breaking down every barrier and being a bridge. Breaking down every barrier and being a, being a bridge. In this room, I would say that there are people in this room that may not even realize that they have built barriers to certain groups of people, to certain individuals. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you those barriers that you have placed. Holy Spirit, today in the name of Jesus, would you help us to be sensitive to the barriers that we have put up in our lives? God, whether it's barriers of judgment, barriers of unforgiveness, barriers of sarcasm, barriers that just hinder you from working through us. God, whether it's the barriers of our differences, the barriers that we think we're right and they're wrong, the barriers of our behaviors, the barriers of how we carry ourselves, the barriers of how we even live our faith with you, God, today in the name of Jesus, remove the barriers. Jesus, the bridge builder. Jesus, the bridge builder, help us to build bridges. Jesus, the bridge builder, teach us how to build bridges. Come on, in this holy moment, would you just lift your hands? Jesus, the bridge builder, would you help us to love people well? Jesus, the bridge builder, help us to forgive people well. Jesus, help us to be moved with compassion. Help us not to be annoyed and perturbed. God, help us to see that they are people without a shepherd, that they are people that are lost. Jesus, the bridge builder, would you help us to see how we were before we walked that bridge. God, would you help us to remember the barriers that we had in our own lives? The hurts and the scars and all of those things that kept us from stepping into full faith with you. 
God, help us not to be guilty of those same barriers. One last prayer. It's a dangerous prayer. How many are willing for me to pray over your life that you'll be that bridge to someone on your job? Someone in your neighborhood? Someone in your family? If that's you, would you just lift your hands as I pray over you today? I do a a pastoral prayer over this congregation. God, in the name of Jesus today. God, I pray Help us to see the mundane living. Help us to imagine the possibilities of people that are set free. God, I pray that you would usher us into meaningful interactions. Not with the goal that multitudes would be saved, but that the individual would know you. But God, we know that as a result, an individual is going to lead to more. God, again, help us. Help us to see the opportunities, to seize the opportunities to do good to all. God, give your people courage as you gave Peter and John. Give your people courage, God, that we, ordinary individual men and women that, are, that may be unschooled in certain areas of our lives, God, that people would step back and they would hear the words that we speak as words that are anointed and powerful, and they would recognize that we have been with Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for coming today. We're going to conclude this series next Sunday. We're excited about that sermon. Pastor Allie is going to be preaching, actually, and we're going to rock it out of the place. Uh, She's going to finish up this series. We invite you to, to come and join us, whether you catch us Glad you're in the house today. Can I just say that as I finish up? Glad you're in the house today. Those of you online, you need to get your rears back. We talked about butts today earlier, so get your butt back in church. Uh, In this instance, God does want your butt in the church, uh, right? He says, forsake not the assembly of ourselves together. And I will say this. I'm going to preach another sermon just at the end here. We've gotten comfortable in COVID culture, and I want to challenge you. Body of Christ happens shoulder to shoulder. How many were inspired by worship this morning because you heard someone else singing? It happens because we're together in the building, and we want to get you back in the building. We want you to be wise. We want you to care for yourself. But would you come back? Would you come back? Come back. Come back to the house. Uh, Our prayer team's up here. They want to pray for you. They want to anoint you with oil. We believe in the power of prayer, and we are excited to hear what God, what miracle God's going to do in your life. I would love to hear your testimonies about the fast. If God has done something fantastic, revealed something fantastic, would you send me an email? I would love to get those encouraging words. I always love the end of the fast and hearing what God has done. God bless you. You're loved. Make sure you high five someone, fist bump or whatever before you leave. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.